Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to episode 38, our special Father's Day episode. I am so happy to have you here. I would love if you would take just a moment to hit subscribe, leave a five-star rating or a positive review. And I'd especially like to thank Nene Graham for her recent positive review. I loved what you wrote. Thank you very much. And these reviews really mean a lot to us as podcasters. First of all, it's so great to get your feedback. But second of all, it really boosts us in the ratings. It helps other people find our shows and it helps us get really awesome guests. Speaking of guests, I'm really excited for my guest today. Michael Kennedy is not only an amazing person, but I've also known him since I was in middle school or high school, so we've been friends for a long time. Michael has worked for over 20 years in the entertainment industry as a professional announcer and MC, working with shows ranging from the Oscars to the Video Music Awards, the Super Bowl, Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, and everything in between. He made the decision pretty early on to stay freelance so he could be a present and mostly stay-at-home father to his three children. He currently hosts the Parent Popular Dad Time Out Show podcast, which talks about all things fatherhood, fun, experience, and real life with three other dads. And I've been on their podcast. I was on it about a week or two ago, and it was so much fun. Most recently, the Dad Time Out Show was named in the top 15 dad podcasts to listen to on planet Earth. Well, welcome, Mike. I'm so happy to have you. I know they call you MK on on your show, but I'm used to calling you Mike from when we grew up as kids. So um, our listeners don't know this, but we have a long history. Um, Mike Kennedy and I were friends growing up, um, middle school, high school. I remember mostly the high school years, although I don't remember a lot. I, I don't remember a lot of those years. Do you? Uh, yeah. I mean, stuff that got in the papers. <laughs> but, but there's a, a lot of key memories come out of that I think obviously like I remember a lot of the good stuff a lot of the yeah. great times and a lot of the stories that I tell even today are based on a lot of the antics mm-hmm. that you know that our crew was involved in back in the back in the uh I won't throw the decade out there, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> well, you always made me laugh. I tell my kids about you a lot. You know, when you would um, host, and, and we're going to get into this in a minute, some of the things like the Nickelodeon things, I would brag about you, and I would just tell them. But the thing I remember the most about you and one of your friends, Carrie, was you guys made me laugh so much at a time that was actually kind of difficult. My parents had recently gotten divorced and we had recently moved. And so high school was not my favorite, were not my favorite years at all, but you always made me laugh. And I will just always remember that and always be grateful to you for that. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, You're funny. (laughs) Whatever, man. (laughs) I mean, I always say like, and I, and I had a bunch of friends like this, you know, even in elementary school, we were always kind of those kids. Like mm-hmm. the teachers loved us and loathed us at the same time. Like we were sweet kids, but we were the the antic kids. Yeah. I, yeah. I still tell, I told this story on the podcast recently. I got Santa Claus in first grade. And I said, that was the first trajectory change in my life. And then I got a D in conduct in the fourth grade. Remember, we used to get graded for conduct. Oh, yeah. And I still have that report card. And even to, I wouldn't say I've applied for jobs recently, but I used to attach that to my resume when I'd be auditioning mm-hmm. for different television shows or acting jobs. I'd be like, look, Mr. Busky gave me a D in conduct. I'm on my way. <laughs> but we've always been a little bit mix of a Ferris Bueller, Forrest Gump mm-hmm. kind of thing. And we've mm-hmm. always had that joie de vivre. Like we've mm-hmm. always seized the day taken life and you know now now we've grown into these worlds and I, I haven't gotten off the playground yet. 
I love that about you. So tell our audience who who doesn't have the history to, with you that I do a little bit about yourself and what you do before we dive into talking about fatherhood. Yeah, sure. I'll give you the nickel and dime because we only have <laughs> X amount of time. <laughs> um, so I grew up in suburban Philadelphia uh, to a, with a single mother. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as they would say, I was young and scrappy, mm-hmm. uh, meaning like I was getting myself ready in the morning. I was coming home, making my own lunches. I was walking myself to the bus stop responsible for my own homework. My mom was always working double time, double shifts at at her work, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I was pretty much raised by my neighborhood and all the people around me. And I don't know if that was a key to gregariousness or not back then, but you pretty much had to get out and say hi and you had to lean on your neighbors or try and finagle your way into dinners and stuff like that. So I stayed in uh, suburban Philadelphia for a little while. And uh, if you know the area, there's a park called Sesame Street Place. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my first real jobs was working at Sesame Street Place. And I worked there for three summers. And I, I did everything from like energizing crowd lines around Cookie Monster Mountain Mm -hmm. uh, to every once in a while getting to do a walk around character. And, you know, it was just pure fun for me. And if there was any calling in life, it was really based around Sesame. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is really great. How do I do this for a living? So I went to uh, a community college for a minute and I went down to Temple University and I was kind of wholeheartedly into broadcast mode and radio, television, film. I love the entertainment industry since I've been a kid. But I was in Philly a little too long, I felt, and I needed a change of scenery. So I threw a dart at the map and ended up at the University of Tennessee Mm -hmm. in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I majored in child development and child and family studies and minored in broadcasting. But as my Forrest Gump life would have it, I auditioned to be the college mascot. And I got the job. Mm-hmm. So I went from like this kid in suburban Philly in, you know, in this apartment complex, you know, high five in my mom in and out of the door mm-hmm. to running a football team out into a stadium with 106,000 fans. And I'm on a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, this is awesome. Um, how do I keep this train going? Yeah. So I mean, really, I've been so blessed and so lucky with the predicaments and situations in my life. I think there's factors that go into that. But I kept the ball rolling. I went five years school there. We won a national championship. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, this kid from Philly, we're Mm -hmm. winging it together in apartment complexes. And now I'm on the court at a national basketball NCAA tournament. And our women just won in New Orleans. And I'm like, is this real life? And so I auditioned around the country after that. I said, hey, you know, this mascot thing's kind of fun. And we grew up with the Philly fanatic. Yeah. So I auditioned for a couple cities. I went to, uh, I would like, I can't remember. The Baltimore Orioles were one. I didn't get it. Seattle um, Sonics, Utah Jazz. I wasn't getting it, wasn't getting Mm -hmm. it. But each step I'd get closer and closer. And I'm still a college kid. I'm faking a business mm-hmm. out of my dorm room. If you called my number, I'd be like, you've reached Mascot USA. Total <laughs> facade. Like, and it was me and six guys living in a crappy apartment in Knoxville. And finally, I pursued it enough that the phone rang. And it was the football team out west, or actually basketball teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the mascot job, but I got number two. Mm. And they like, look, this kid's funny. If he wants to work in the NBA that bad, let's give him an internship. So I packed up my Volvo, threw my Ikea mattress on the roof, drove across Mm -hmm. the country, figured it out. Lo and behold, as soon as I got out here, another team called the San Francisco 49ers said, hey, we know you're out west. You want to come audition for our mascot? Mm. Him, I swear, nine months later, I was on the Super Bowl field in a mascot costume and we won the Super Bowl. I just got shoes. It was that bizarre. Like. Wow. So wow. I, just, I just said, you know, okay, I'm going to come full circle to our fatherhood. So I was incredibly blessed again. And MTV did a story on me while I was the mascot. And then I started calling MTV because I really wanted to work there bad. So I got mm-hmm. the numbers off the contact list and started bothering all these people at MTV. I would just go right down the line. Hey, are you hiring? Hey, are you interning? Hey, and I just kept going. 
after they did the story on me and they finally broke them down and they gave me a job as an intern in Long Beach for a rock and jock, a show they used to have. Yeah. So then I became audience warm up for MTV and then I became one of the voices for MTV. Now this is MTV prime. This isn't MTV yeah. now. This is MTV when it was MTV. Yeah. And before I knew it, I was announcing shows like the Video Music Awards, the Movie Awards, the red carpets at these shows. Yeah. Then that translated to me becoming the first MC in the NBA, National Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. So all that's rolling. That's completely, that ball was just on fire. We're having a blast. About a decade goes by. I meet the love of my life. We get married. We play for a while. We have life's experiences. She's in the same industry as I am. And... It came to this screeching halt, and then we had our first child. Mm-hmm. And I was had a run, and I climbed many mountains. And it, it was pure magic. Like, the run was magical. But I felt like, okay, I had been to the top of these mountains, and if I'm lucky enough to have children, here we go. Yeah. And we, had, we had our first, and I think I might have told you this before, but I came home after a long road trip in the NBA, and I had missed the actual Father's Day. And uh, my wife, adorable, holding our baby as I walked in the door. And she gave me a pair of Gap Boxer shorts. And she said, mm-hmm. I love daddy with a little heart. Wow. And my heart just kind of broke. And I, and I was like, oh, I missed my first Father's Day-ish, yeah. you know. And at the end of that season, my contract was up. And my spidey sense was, it was clicking hard, like, what what's that about? Do I need that anymore? Talking about the mm-hmm. the big crowds, the show, the travel, the this, the that, and I just said no. You know, we didn't renew the contract, and we moved on. And I said I'm going to figure it out mm-hmm. because I want to be the best dad I can be mm-hmm. at this place, and I yeah. want to be present, and I want to be part of my children's lives from the earliest stages possible. Now, that's a terrifying decision financially. Mm-hmm. It's a terrifying decision as a guy, mm-hmm. not knowing that world and not having any real pure role models right. you know, out of those gates. Um, but we did it. And I had the support of my wife. And she said, go freelance. We'll figure it out. Wow. And that's what we did. And then slowly but surely, jobs started climbing back into the merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean... I just, the, some of the shows you mentioned, like Nickelodeon Kids mm-hmm. Choice Awards, the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been, I've been all over the world. I worked mm-hmm. the Special Olympics in Austria. I've done, mm-hmm. I've done all these magnificent and beautiful jobs that like I would have died for as a kid had I envisioned that. Mm-hmm. But here mm-hmm. I was, but I could still come home for a month and a half and yeah. be a very present father. Yeah. So that's kind of the career side of it. And then I've just kept the freelance thing going ever since. And now we have three children mm-hmm. and I've been doing it for, well, 13 years if we do the, the kid math. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade one single day or moment for anything. Like when, when we had Kira, my wife kind of had that moment like, oh gosh, like life's not going to be normal. And as, as I did, and we had some very sweet European friends that are very down to earth and like family oriented Swedish. Mm-hmm. And they were like, look, once, once the time goes by, it's gone. You can't yeah. reset the clock. You can't get that back. If you miss that first tooth, you're going to miss that first tooth. If you miss, and that really, really resonated with me. And that's why I decided to go in, you know, go in all hands yeah. on the, on the kids and family. Well, and that was a part um, that you didn't have growing up. And, you know, I talk to parents all the time and they say, you know, I'm so afraid of my kid not having this or not having this. But sometimes, and you and I have talked about this off air, um, sometimes coming from a more challenging family situation, I know your mom loved you with all her heart and worked really hard to provide for you. But sometimes those things that we didn't have growing up are the very things we try the most to give our kids, you know? Yeah. We, we discussed that on our show. We'll get down to that later, but we do talk about that. Like, what are we repeating our generation before us and, or are we taking the best of our generation before us and trying to place that in? And that's what I'm trying to do. Like, you know, I had a good dad. He just was distant. He was seven States away. Yeah. And you know, that's just the way it worked back then. 
but I, I do try to learn and I try to learn every day, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to take all that good stuff and my wife as well, you know, and she has a very warm and loving family and we're trying to merge that into our world. I love that. I mean, I think that's what we all really need to try to do as parents. I'm switching gears here a little bit, but I know one of the things you've been involved in as a dad are these dad conventions and Dad Summit 2.0. And I'd love you to tell me a little bit more about them and how they've benefited you as a dad, because I was like tangentially aware of them, but haven't really dug deep into them and don't really know many people who've participated. So I want to want you to share about those with for our listeners. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to Google tangentially. <laughs> hey Siri, meaning of, um, so, you know, it ties back into, it, it, I can remember very clearly, very clearly, like you have these visions of being a dad and then there's the reality of keeping yeah. a little person alive and happy all day, all yeah. day. Right. So the first time my wife went to work, you know, all I really wanted out of the baby registry was this like Fisher Price jungly kind of the palm trees swirl over their head. Mm-hmm. And you think that's the magic sauce and it's going to keep the kid happy for hours at a time. And you learn as a parent, maybe 30 seconds tops and then you're on to the next thing. So what happened was it became a very, um, a very eye-opening world, right? Humbling. Yeah, humbling. Yeah. I mean, I was in front of arenas like, are you ready to (laughs) like, all right, quiet. Like it's crickets (laughs) and it's just me and the little Beeble. And, you know, so what I did find in there though, there was like, and we laugh about it now, but there was a lot of, it was role reversal because I was the stay at home dad and I was the caregiver during the day. And my mm-hmm. wife was working and she'd come mm-hmm. home and, you know, I'd be clock watching like it's six oh five. Come on. Oh, like, yeah. I have been out of this since, you know, <laughs> very non non 70s, 80s mode. Yeah. But one of the outlets that I did have was Twitter was starting to take off. And I thought, you know, like there's got to be other dudes out here that are going through this. I can't be Mm -hmm. the only one that's either a dual income or a stay-at-home dad or Mm -hmm. stay-at-home dad because of circumstance. So I just kept searching and finding and prodding and snooping around the internet trying to find people. And then sure enough, there was one. And then there Mm -hmm. was another one. And then I found this amazing site called Life of Dad, which Mm -hmm. my friend Tommy Riles and those guys, they still run that. Tommy's, um, Tommy's in a very similar role in the entertainment industry too, but his huge website is Life of Dad. Then I found how to be a dad. Mm -hmm. And then I kept pushing that further. And then I started talking to these guys on Twitter. And there were all these little groups and little subgroups and state groups. And then I found City Dads Group, which Mm -hmm. is fantastic. They're in like 30 cities in the United States. And they're just dads that want to have conversations, both good and bad, about being Mm -hmm. a dad. And they're getting together, you know, sometimes at bars, sometimes at sporting events, sometimes as playgrounds or tours. So they're out there. They're all over the country. And I'm like, why aren't more people doing this? And Mm -hmm. I just kept pushing further and further. And then I kept networking further and further. And that eventually led me to the catharsis of blogging and journaling, right? Mm -hmm. So I was keeping a daily journal just because I thought it would be funny, if nothing else. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I was at Ikea today, and I didn't bring diapers. And here I was <laughs> buying material off the Ikea shelves and winging it in the parking <laughs> lot, like trying to figure out, like texting my wife, because my wife's pure comedy, like texting her the whole time and giving her the picture blow by blow. And, <laughs> Literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, all that happened. But then I got you know, there are all these great things. And it started with mom 2.0 and they were mommy bloggers yeah. first. Yeah. And they really grew into this huge thing. And, and a lot of them were making, they make and make great money, but yeah. And then dad's 2.0 evolved out of that. And then I thought, okay, I've got a really good network of guys in the country and women. There's a lot of mm-hmm. women involved too. A lot of moms mm-hmm. involved in this stuff. And, um, I said, I got to go meet them. And Dad 2.0, to answer your question eight minutes Mm -hmm. later, is kind of a gathering of the minds, and it takes place in a city every year, and it's all the leads of people that are trying to affect change, Mm -hmm. whether it's LGBTQ or whether it's like like Bo Coffrin, Lunchbox Dad. Bo just has a funny video 
he just makes really cool kid lunches that are themed mm-hmm. on Cinderella or Harry Potter or mm-hmm. um, there's Dante Palmer who started Squat for a Change. Dante got mad because men's restrooms didn't have baby changers. And he's mm-hmm. like, how am I supposed to get around life if I'm constantly juggling, you know, the baby on my one knee, holding this knee, trying to keep this off the floor? Yeah. Um, and then there's there's just all sorts of data. And now it's at the level where like, higher profile dads are really becoming transparent about their fatherhoods and what they're trying to do. And I'll just cite Mm -hmm. an example because he was a keynote at the last one I went to, Dak Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. So Dak Shepard was our keynote and he did his podcast live at Dad 2.0 in San Antonio. And it was a very emotional and moving thing. And like there were, there were 750 guys in the room and women. Yeah. And you know, you're literally like weeping, like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and I'm going to make it better. I'm going to try and affect change in the fatherhood space. We're going to try and move the needle toward positive, egalitarian, understanding fatherhood. Um, And you're kind of sent back into your world with this momentum of camaraderie and communication and companionship in the fatherhood space. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I always got out of Dad 2.0. And then Father's Eve, I saw you had on here too. Father's Eve is just a fun event. It's the night before Father's Day where fathers Mm -hmm. around the country will get together in different cities and they connect dads in a meaningful way, you know, to talk about challenges and joys of fatherhood too. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of the fun Christmas Eve to Christmas, Father's Eve to Father's Mm -hmm. Day kind of thing. Because that's that's what you want to do, right? I want to lead by example with my kids. And I don't think that I can ramble about affecting change and trying to move a needle and trying to get people to open their minds to what fatherhood can do if I'm not leading by example in my own house. Even though it's a part of my career, I'm very proud of this section of my career. Yeah. And I'm so proud of it. I mean, we live, you know, far apart. So I only see it on Instagram and, you know, little blurbs here and there. But I can tell what an emotionally involved, hands-on dad you are. And it just, you know, it just makes me really proud to see that because you're killing it. You're doing such a great job. And I want to mention one of the things that you talked about was, you know, this fatherhood space, having camaraderie and community, because I just had this light bulb moment as you were speaking that, yeah, women have that. Um, Moms really connects pretty easily with one another, whether it's in, you know, starting in the childbirth class or, you know, the Jimbery or mommy and me, and not that dads can't go to that or don't go to that because I know a lot of them do, but we definitely, I think there's just more opportunities to connect. And I was in that mommy blogger world for a little while by accident. Actually, I started a personal blog to document our daughter's adoption from China Oh gosh, 14 years ago. And it just kind of took off. And I connected with so many women. Um, I don't blog anymore, but it, it was really quite big for a little while. And so I know that was like this natural way, but I didn't really think that dads, it has to be so much harder to find that network of community and support. And honestly, I don't think I could have gotten through the early years of motherhood without it. So it's so important that you guys find that too. It, it, you know, it is. And, and I'm not making fun of this. It was funny to me at the time. Yeah. But there was definitely. <clears throat> and if I would go to a coffee shop with my baby, mm-hmm. there would be the nanny click mm-hmm. and then there would be the mommy click. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty friendly. Oh, very. <laughs> I, it was so hard to work yourself into conversations. Yeah. Um. So I'm just saying, like, if you see a dad with a baby out there or a kid and yeah. he's having a hard time, like, if you're a mom, say hi. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not as Mr. Mom as the movie portrays it, but like, it's, I did find like it was harder to find dads, even in my area, that were kind of going through that at the same time. So that's why this online world really blossomed to me and the conversations. But there definitely was like, we would feel, I'm not, this is not a pity party, but we, it, there is a little bit of ostracizing. There's a little bit of like, you look kind of like a creeper. <laughs> like if you, you're working your yeah. way around a gymboree and you're like, they, it's like, is that your, oh yeah, that's my kid over there. Yeah. But as it grew time, it, 
it is interesting. It did get better as time went on. Like I remember taking my little girls to like tutu school and there would be a handful of dads in there totally mm-hmm. doing the ballet. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think the, the needle has moved even since I've had mine over the last 13 years. Yeah. I see a lot more of it out in my area, at least, which is Yeah, so I was going to say, do you think it's geographical? Because I don't see it a whole ton here. You and I talked about that. And I wish I did. Um, but also my kids are older. And so I'm not at those things as much anymore either. But do you think, because you're in the Bay Area, do you think you see more of it there? I think that I, I'm going to say this through social media's lens, but Mm -hmm. I do see many dads groups in many cities and dads Mm -hmm. that are so proud. And this is all over the world because you and I are both in a couple countries with our thing. Like I'm seeing like these proud dad moments. So it's just me and her, me and him, Mm -hmm. you know, out and about. Now, of course, it's Instagram and that portrays a certain light as well. But I do think that, they're out there. They are spread out more. Mm-hmm. Like I have a good friend in Tennessee. He's a big husky, burly guy. He's got mm-hmm. two kids, and he has a book club with all mm-hmm. dads in in, he, in Western Tennessee around the Memphis area. Yeah. Like you would never expect that. And these guys all work out together. They're all like uh, Spartan racers together. Uh-huh. And yet they sit down and they read books and they talk parenting. Like. I, I do. Like I, I think, yeah. To answer your question, I do think it's a geographical, urban, suburban, even. Yeah. You know, and the Bay Area has definitely got a lot more fluidity in that front. But um, you know, I, I I have faith, even through the interactions on our podcast, that mm-hmm. it's starting to go the right way more, more. I love that, and um, so I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what ways do you think fatherhood? has changed since we were growing up? And in what ways do you think it still needs to change? I think that we grew up, we, our demo, Mm -hmm. kind of in a structured, more structured era. Dad was the breadwinner, mom Mm -hmm. was not. Mm -hmm. Then there was a lot of divorce in our decades and that became Mm -hmm. commonplace. So there was a lot of puzzles to be figured out. Yeah. But I think a lot of, males perhaps held on to that. And I still see that amongst friends, but I do, I do think that it wasn't as egalitarian as it is now. Yeah. And I really think awareness and equality in the parent weight is way more present now than it was 20 years ago. We had a whole episode, just, it was a funny one, but it was a reality check too on division of chores in the house. (laughs) Who's doing what? Why are they doing that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, was that fair? And I remember Mm -hmm. because my my wife produces my podcast, so I have to be pretty transparent because she Mm -hmm. hears everything anyway. (laughs) I remember her asking her like prior to like, wait, am I doing this right? Like, do you feel bad because you're doing this every night and I'm doing this? And like, Mm -hmm. we had to have a very open conversation, but I think those conversations are happening. So I think the old model really is blown up. I yeah. think I think there's some scent of it still going on, and mm-hmm. this is personal. I'm, I don't have stats or science. Sure, stats, sure. But I, I do think that even in our world, anyway, it's very. You see tons of dad at the pickup line where you wouldn't yeah. have seen that in 1989. Yeah, you see tons of dads volunteering at school. You wouldn't have seen that in 1995. You know what I mean? Right. It, right. So I think a lot of those places are getting infiltrated by dads that are becoming, I wouldn't say woke because that's a really bad, that's not an appropriate term here, but they're becoming aware of, you know, how important it is to be a part of your kid's life. That, yeah, I love that. And I do see a lot more dads at schools and volunteering and you're right in the pickup lines and sort of in those places that we didn't see them. I think even like, I don't even think dads came to as many, you know, school functions if they were during the day, like little recitals or school parties. And now it's commonplace to see that. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, like if I reverse course from where I grew up in, you know, because of my mom's schedule, I, she was rarely at a little league game. Mm-hmm. She was rarely at a thing at school. She was rarely at school, period. Yeah. And one of the things that I said in my head, I'm like, I'm going to mm-hmm. break that and I'm going to be there for as much, if not all of it, yeah. as I can be. So 
in that generational intersection, mm-hmm. I just yeah. I decided to go the other way yeah. and, and fight against my past. So I hope that anybody that had more of that is becoming more, you know, you know, equal scales and balances kind of a thing. I think they are. And I think, you know, in the work that I do with people is, you know, we can and you're not at all. So I'm not saying this in reference to you, but some of the people that I work with, you can be really hurt about some of the things of your past family that weren't the way you wish they were. They weren't ideal. You can hold on to that or you can take that and say, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do something differently. I'm going to try and, you know, be there for my kid. And, you know, the research shows Mike, that exactly what you're doing is what matters the most, is showing up, cheering them on, being involved, being present. You know, there's, you know, the, you know that expression, magic sauce, there isn't exactly a magic sauce, but if there were, it would be what you're doing. It would be being there and showing up. Yeah, I, I just want to look back with no regrets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, you will have some because we all do. And I'll even tell my kids that. But but yeah, to be proactive enough that you don't have many. Right, right. Or glaring. Yeah, yeah. Glaring. So what's your stuff. favorite part of being a dad? I, You know, I think my favorite part is just being present. Yeah. It's really like, and, 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 and let me just say, I'm a work in progress. There are days where I hit the pillow and I think, man, I blew that one. Or like, man, that was that was not a good day. But I do wake up thinking I'm aware of that, and I and I yeah. try and move forward the next morning and mend that, or fix that, mm-hmm. or be better at that. And I think you know, it's it's the littlest things to me that mean the most, and they made me accomplishments aside of the children. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the little tiny things like first tooth, second birthday, yeah. this and that. It's just being there, like, to hear about their school day. It's being able to take 15 minutes, even though I'm deadbeat tired, to sit down and figure out a Lego step that is hard. Because that they're not going to ask you in 10 years to help with the Legos. And I don't want to mm-hmm. blow that moment. But it's watching them grow and develop into good little humans that makes mm-hmm. me the happiest. Yeah. I mean, even during the pandemic and homeschooling. So we here are divisions. I always laugh. Jen was in romper room because she had the, <laughs> the kindergarten or first grader. I had the fourth and fifth grader. So I was in the turmoil stage. And then my <laughs> oldest one was a little more independent. So, but what, you know, and that's all kidding aside, we were all working really hard. Um, but watching him grow and mm-hmm. learn right in front of my eyes and grasping a concept. Yeah. Because you don't see that when you're a parent and they're at school. Mm-hmm. You don't see that on a ha moment a lot. You don't see that, oh, my gosh, I, I got that. And they get thoroughly excited because now that it's going to reflect, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. So if you take that little story and you apply it to all these different little divisions of life and you keep celebrating these little victories internally – it's almost this uh, whole thing of like, they make me feel just as good because they're happy. Yeah. That, you know, I hope I'm making them happy too. So it's just like, I can't wait to get home from trips to hang out with them. I can't mm-hmm. wait to, we're getting to go on a big old roadie 17 dayer. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow. yeah, I just know these new memories are in the pipeline and like, we can't wait for those as well. Like, so yeah, it's just a daily presence and, and, and working with, because I'm not going to be able to take anything with me, right? I'm going to die and I'll turn into a dust pile and I'll be in a cloud. <laughs> Let's yeah. just play that way. The, the kids are my legacy. And mm-hmm. if I can just have three little happy humans on the planet, you know, then I'm, I, I can walk away mm-hmm. and clap and walk away. And I'm like, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I love you brought up your roadies. You've you've taken a few. You took a really long one during COVID and you took a road trip recently too. And you kind of have this little ritual on your road trips, your little sign. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It all started when my wife kind of had her, because she lived a very exciting sports oriented life. And I remember she wasn't able to fly to, she, we had a baby and she mm-hmm. had to cover a fight in Vegas. 
Mm-hmm. And she had this big epiphany moment, like, oh, my gosh, my life has changed forever. And she had this cohort at HBO that said to another mother, and she said, listen, your kids will adapt. They'll, they'll go wherever you bring that bassinet, wherever you bring that mm-hmm. Rako, wherever you bring that you stroller. So that was the aha uh-huh moment there that we just, she said, hey, why don't we just bring the kids? Mm-hmm. And then they were all on flights when they were six months, one year, two years. Mm-hmm. Then we all started traveling. If I would do a show in LA, I want them to experience what I'm experiencing. So I'm like, drive down to LA. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Let's take off Friday and let's do this and do that. And and vice versa with Jennifer's events, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we've always been travel centric. So we were mm-hmm. early pandemic. We were languishing. We mm-hmm. were all kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And we had this moment where like, we need to get out. We need to get out and Griswold this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Let's disinfect up. Let's bring all our Lysol mm-hmm. wipes. Let's bring our Clorox wipes and let's just see see as much as we can see. And mm-hmm. I think we were out 31 days that first trip. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. So we made these daily signs to remind us, first of all, what day it was. But uh-huh. then second <laughs> of all, to like kind of learn and then look back and be like, oh, we were at Zion. We saw yeah. a deer, an antelope. Mm-hmm. We hiked the narrows. We ate mm-hmm. burritos. Because I'm, I'm a, I'm a, it's a fault, but I'm a huge picture taker. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not a standstill and let me take this. I'm more of like the silent guy, like snapping around. You've never been a standstill person, Mike. No, you can see even on this thing, I'm moving all over the place. But um, that's how the whole travel thing. But then we make travel boards every day. Yeah. And then I do hope someday, as I do frequently, I'll flip through that photo album because the memory may fade, but the picture won't. And then, and yes, I'm going to put it in a photo album. Um, It's not going to be digital. And I just hope that it's there for them moving down the pipeline. And that's partially why the reason why I started blogging, too as a young father, because I wanted them to know what I was experiencing and the love that I was feeling for them, even at their infantile stages. And I just hope to continue that down the train line. Yeah, it's nice. I I thought that about my blog, too. I told my kids, like, you're lucky you can always go back. I remember one of my kids arguing with me about like when he lost his first tooth and I'm like, Oh, it's on the blog. It is documented forever. We'll go look. Cause I, and I, of course I was right, but <laughs> you know, it's all there, but yeah, I love your sayings. And you would have, didn't you have a quote of the day or a word of the day? I forget which. Yeah. We're all about like daily aspirations. Yeah. Um, you know, I read from the Bible every morning a little bit mm-hmm. and we're all about affirmations mm-hmm. and like just little things on the way to school will be, it, we, it doesn't happen every day. We're not that yeah, family, yeah, yeah. but we do use that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love good quotes to set up a day. And then we talk about the quote and sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it can be from Cleo Wade or from mm-hmm. some great author or wherever yeah. Oprah Winfrey, wherever it may come from, mm-hmm. but it really gets us to just sit and reflect as a family for mm-hmm. a moment. And, you know, we'll ask all three of them, like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. And yeah, it can come across hokey every once in a while, but I think over flexing the muscles and repetition, we hope that yeah. some of it where then and, and again, it serves us too, because it puts yeah. us in a better place and a better place of gratitude to realize how lucky we are that we are able to have these adventures when a lot of people aren't, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you also were courageous to just go for it because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people can't of course take a 30 day road trip. You're right. Because of work or finances or commitments or Mm -hmm. taking care of family members, whatever. But even people who could, um, don't, you know, because they think, Oh, it, it might be a nightmare traveling with three kids in a car and, you know, just all the things that they envision. And so I think it takes a lot of courage to go do that. But you know, those are the memories your kids will definitely look back at and remember with such fondness. And that's the time you really bond. And even those quotes that you talk about, like, I'm sure you learn thing about things about your kids that you would never learn by simply saying, how was your day today? You know, you get them to think in a different way and express things in a different way than they would in just ordinary ways. Yeah. I mean, travel and experience is much is to us as much a part of the education and growth mm-hmm. of and, and, and such a vital part of development. Right. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are all about experiences. We don't need things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, admittedly, in my late 20s, early 30s, I might have had the sneakers 
mm-hmm. and maybe a watch or two. But then all that goes way out the door, and we don't yeah. try to keep up with the Joneses anymore. We're mm-hmm. we're not the tryhards. Mm-hmm. We just roll, and we're like, I'd rather have you have this memory of sitting in a cave in the middle of Utah, mm-hmm. even though it may be ninety nine degrees and it may be this, than sitting in a room playing a game or. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all about the experience, the adventure, the exploration. We're blessed to live like 40 minutes from the ocean, which is one of our favorite just beach days. And not like we grew up. This is cold Northern California stuff. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's just. Not like the Jersey Shore. (laughs) No, no, not really. But um, that's become a real mantra of ours. Mm -hmm. And as much as we joke and like we will we'll fight on the road and it's not always a beautiful Instagram shot. Yeah. The minute we get home, almost the first question within a day is like, okay, what's next? When are we going next? Yeah. What's your biggest challenge as a dad? I think the biggest challenge is day to day. It's, mm-hmm. it's reacting and trying to be informed day to day as development mm-hmm. progresses fast. Uh, and thanks to your podcast and your friends' podcasts, I'm figuring a lot of that out on the fly with my tween. Um, but I think that's the biggest challenge. It's it's trying to stay in that zone mm-hmm. um, as they grow, because you feel like you get a victory, you get a win, and then you get, you get to take a couple losses, and then you try to get on the winning track again. I think I think the hardest part, and this may be a question for later but it's like having those conversations based on current events in the daily things that are happening yeah that's that's one where i'm like even because i do afternoon drives with my kids after school we take about 25 minutes and we just drive and sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll stop and get something sometimes we won't but we talk about more than just how was your day it's like okay so or what's coming up to tonight or this afternoon we're always we have carrots out there and some of the questions can get pretty taxing sometimes and i'm like all right let's table that until i have a chance to sync up with mom and we can have a cohesive conversation about that so that's a challenge right The, the the development and figuring out each step is a challenge having having the daily punishments of current events and school shootings and social unrest. That's the biggest challenge that I have is like how to keep the world safe and happy in our zone yet have Mm -hmm. them have a thorough understanding of reality, you know, when they get out there, what it's really going to be like. Well, I think you bring up two really important things. One is that it's always changing. You know, if you think back to early parenthood, when you finally get them sleeping through the night, then they start teething, or you finally get them eating solid foods, then they want to put everything in the right. You know, like it's always changing. Mm-hmm. We never really master parenting. And I can say this because my kids are, you know, my oldest is 11 years older than your oldest, even though we're the same age. Not sure how that happened, but I got a 24 year old and I don't even have my kids that young, but I have a 24 year old and and I'm still navigating. He's coming home for the summer to do his internship, but he'll be 24. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I can't parent him like I did when he was a teenager or even a couple years ago when he was an undergrad. And, um, so, so we, you know, the finish line is always moving. It's always shifting. And right. then the second thing you bring up, which I think is so true and I can identify with is, yeah, how to talk to your kids about things like racism and Black Lives Matter. And I have a Chinese daughter and mm-hmm. I've really been struggling with how to talk about Asian hate with her. She, you know, she grew up in a white family and have we even been racist towards our own child? Like I've had to ask myself that, Mike. I never thought I'd have to ask myself, like, have I ever said something that didn't really take into full account her experience or her culture? And so, yeah, there's a lot of tough conversations we have to have with our kids. So I think both of those things are challenges that probably every parent faces. You know, I do parenting coaching and I face those. Sure. I mean, we just we got really funny advice. Not funny. Uh, let's say sage advice. We're yeah. just at a t-ball softball practice, and the moms are all, dads are all sitting together in the stands, and two moms are talking about talking about difficult stuff with my wife, and this old, uh, an older lady, a grandmother, 
incredibly sweet. She looks at us and goes, looks at them and goes, if they're old enough to ask, they're old enough to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And we always kept that flowing in our house. So, but what that did was it opened up to the real world because even we're not news watchers in the family, mm-hmm. but it's great. You, you get it from all angles. Anymore. Yeah. Even yeah, your yeah. fourth graders are hearing it from the eighth graders trickling to the sixth graders trickling to the third graders. and Or they see it on TikTok if they have that or, you know, yeah, they hear it at practice or they overhear another adult talking about it. Yeah, it has, it has you know, all of this stuff is <clears throat> both caused me to reflect as well, like you were saying, but also if I'm sticking to my, my credo statement of like, listen, every day's a new day. What mm-hmm. happened yesterday is in a day compartment. We can't change that, but we can change the next 15 minutes, the next 30 minutes. Yeah. We have control over that. Yeah. You know, and then you hope to keep moving positively down those paths, any conversational paths, period. Yeah. So I 100% agree with um, that. If they're old enough to ask, they're old enough for the answer. And I have so many clients I work with who don't, they don't want to answer and they'll say they're too young. And I say, and, and an answer doesn't have to be a thesis. An answer can be, you can answer in a really simple way and don't over answer. Answer just what they're asking. Because I sometimes think as parents, if our kids ask a question, we think we have to tell them the whole answer. And you don't. Yeah. You can tell them the answer in doses of what's appropriate for their development, you know? Yeah, and, and that's where I have to get better. I'm very verbose <laughs> and I'm very over over zealous when I'm onto something. And I do have to learn to just that's great advice for me. So thank you. Like really just to to dial back a moment. Yeah. And and take those conversations with a little cushion after some thought as well. Yeah, because Lola, who's seven, could ask you a question about a same topic as your 13-year-old, but they probably ought to get really different answers. Right. A hundred percent. You know, and so, yeah, I think to think of that is really good. Well, what do you think we wives or moms need to know more, understand more um, about fatherhood um, or about kind of your experiences as dads? Because I think we tell you guys a lot. (laughs) We expect a lot. But what do we need to know or understand better? I I think it's more of a question of, communication mm-hmm. laws and rules in your mm-hmm. house. Like we have very open. Di- it's funny because I rolled a couple of these questions past my kids before my wife mm-hmm. sat down last night and my little boy said, the one thing about our house that I would tell Dr. Swales is that we're very open. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that like <clears throat> my wife and I, and maybe this is the podcast catharsis because she produces and we have to talk about these topics <laughs> before I dive in. Cause I want to um, make sure we're on the same page and I'm not, well, first of all, putting myself in dad jail, but second yeah. of all, like I want to make sure that we're, I'm not just saying it to say it, that I'm, right. I'm practicing it. So we, we have that communication constantly flowing in our house, but it's not just about the children. It's yeah. about how we're getting along, uh, if something mm-hmm. makes us uncomfortable or not. So that communication is very important, in my opinion. And I'm sure there's scientific and psychological stuff that goes along with that. But, <clears throat> you know, I think that if there's any sort of the understand bar, it's the husbands that are doing this of really putting themselves in the wife's shoes and vice versa. So mm-hmm. if you walk in each other's shoes throughout the day, you yeah. can really have productive conversations about what they're going through and vice versa. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that we, even in our, cause we have four dads on ours and we have different yeah. backgrounds Yeah, and we learn from each other and each one. But we always say like when I would be home with the children all day and my wife's coming home from a commute and making dinner or I'm gay and I'm kind of like frazzled because I've been with the kids. I have to put myself in their shoes and be like, look, she just took a commute. She worked all day in an office and had the pressures of work. And now she's double dutying as a mom at night with us. Um, so I had a lot to learn there. And yeah. I think through that learning, we've come to a really good communication spot in our relationships, in our, in our lives, as far as like moving the ball down the field the right direction. 
I think that's a great answer. I And I think it's, you know, one of my guests, um, Lori Epting, who's written a couple of books. Oh, she's written a book on marriage. Um, and I've had her on a couple of times. She says that empathy is a relationship superpower. And I believe that I've posted a bunch on my Instagram. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about having empathy, but sometimes it's just not there. And so how do we get that from y'all? <laughs> I mean, that's amazing that you do that, that you sit there and try to put yourself in your wife's shoes. But a lot of people, husbands or wives don't do that. And and I know, you know, I work with couples on doing that and I teach them empathy skills, but I'm curious if you have any advice for women who may want their husbands to be a little more empathic. I know nagging doesn't work. <laughs> Does wine work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I would, you have to shake the tree eventually, you know, yeah. if you really want a, a well-functioning communication arrows all going the right way, you have to have a talk. If you, especially yeah. if, if a husband or wife are unhappy or vastly unequal, mm -hmm. there has mm -hmm. to be some discussion somewhere because in my, in my opinion, like we, the kids are picking up on everything in the house. So if we're not oh, yeah. getting along or communicating well, they're picking up on that and we're oh, trying yeah. to lead by example as well. Now, sometimes we may have to peel off and sidebar mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. take a drive or shelf a conversation, mm -hmm. but we, we do try to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think too, it's like if dad's, if you're hitting a reset button and you're having these conversations, there are so many easy ways dads can start to flip the script yeah. You know, it's like sitting down and doing a puzzle, right? It's like taking five minutes to extend a conversation at the tail end of a night and then building off that. It's, you know, when I started coaching my kids, I had no clue what I was doing, nor do most of the volunteers mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. So don't yell at us parents <laughs> in the stands because we're out there volunteering as well. But, but it's, I didn't know anything. And then I found myself on year two. And then I found mm -hmm. myself on year three with my little girl. And then it was these little baby steps I kept taking and I kept building upon these tiny little things. Like I didn't, I'd never imagined myself volunteering at a school. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll try and join the dad's club. I had no idea going in what this thing was going to be, whether mm -hmm. I, but I was there and mm -hmm. yeah, it was a little awkward and a little bit uncomfortable at first, but now I'm on like year six Mm -hmm. and my child sees me at school all the time mm -hmm. and they think it's cool that you're there and mm -hmm. even little tiny tricks like switching pickups yeah just hey dad drive drive them in the morning for a change mm -hmm. they'd love it i mean it was i i'm a big fan of bruce springsteen mm -hmm. and in his book he talks about that he was kind of repeating his cycle you know in his book and mm -hmm. his wife patty came to him one day in the kitchen's like listen you're you're a rock star. I get it, Bruce. You know, you sleep <laughs> in till one o'clock in the afternoon and you get up and go to your studio. And uh -huh. she's like, but I want to tell you what you're missing is the mornings with these children when they're most yeah. soft and vulnerable and you're waking them up and greeting them into a day and you're missing that. And I'm telling you that because I'm getting the joy out of that every morning and you're not. And I feel bad for you because you're not. Wow. And there he was, the great Bruce Springsteen, up with breakfast every morning from that conversation on, or something like that. But that's what that's I took out of it. That's a great story. Well, that's a great story because most of what, you know, I start out by saying it's not by nagging, but that's what we'll do. We'll say, I need help in the morning. Can you get up out of bed, you know, if you're married to Bruce Springsteen? Mm -hmm. and, right. Uh, but to approach it and say, you're missing out on this. I want you to have this benefit is a totally different approach than saying, help me, you know, take this off my plate. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, you get more bees with honey than with the vinegar. I mean, yeah. it's some, of, some of it's in the ask, right? How you go about approaching, because that was my question is like, I hear a lot in my practice wives who really want their husbands to be more hands-on or to be more involved. And it's a struggle for them to get that. So I think your story is a great way that they could go about doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it really, and it hits home in many places. I've seen this even like in when I was I mentioned Dak Shepard earlier, mm-hmm. and don't I didn't I don't know this story a hundred percent, but here's what I recall from it, and that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> 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 Who cares if he's Dak Shepard? But anyway, he was telling the story of how I believe his father was pretty much not really taking part of his new life with kids as mm-hmm. much as he would want. And he goes, I got over being mad. He's like, is then mm-hmm. I felt bad. And I'm like, he's missing out on one of the greatest joys in life. Mm-hmm. And it truly is when you get down and dirty with it, it's a joy. And it's the, it's the approach to this joy. And maybe that is, maybe that is a key takeaway. It's like, I, honey, come here, tuck her in with me. Yeah. And and just let's do and then you fall in love with it and you're like how have I been missing this for you know cuz we were very shift oriented in my house like yeah. especially in the early years when it was like someone would get home and it's like okay you're on the clock click get yeah. the Flintstone time card put it in the thing and, Yeah. Yeah. So but now obviously we've grown a lot over a decade but that's kind of where we're at and we both it's not like we fight over the moments but it's like I I kind of want to drive the kids to school with you because it's awesome watching them in their little things running to their grades and and, and it changes Mm -hmm. with high school and teens of course but um yeah I I really love that about it yeah that's awesome so tell our listeners because um they may not know about the dad timeout show. We've referenced it a few times and we'll have it in the show notes and definitely mention it in your introduction, but tell us a little bit about it and what you're working on now. Well, so all of that blabber that I did earlier led to uh, me wanting to do something creative in the space. Now, in addition to all the professional announcing jobs and the NFL Mm -hmm. stuff, I've also loved writing. And I love mm-hmm. creating. So I, I, and obviously I love talking. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to put together a panel of dad show that we would talk about real topics. And our, our tagline is we're not experts, but we listen to them. Mm-hmm. So we're four dads with 12, I think 12 or 13, maybe somebody had a new one. I'm not sure, but 12 kids at least um, between us. And we have We're a, not sure if someone had a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, people were doing stuff all the time. Um, <laughs> but I, I got an original dad who was a stay-at-home dad with me. And then I'm like, okay, I need two other dads. So through this path through Los Angeles, I was introduced to these two wonderful gentlemen on ours. And they both – everybody's got a distinct personality in the way that they're doing their family. One's very mm-hmm. Euro – One's very, admittedly, a tiger dad and his girl's golf. And he's very like on top of every um, box, so to speak. Um, And then there's another one that kind of evens it out. And then I produce and host it. But there's some funny in there. But then we really extract the most joy out of our podcast is when we we have a big section of it. The, The chunk of the show is called Smart Articles by Smart People. And we'll take articles from psychology magazines mm-hmm. or New York Times or Washington Post parenting or or podcasts like yours, or we'll mm-hmm. read a book like Thrivers or mm-hmm. and we'll check in with our families to see if we're doing the right stuff because we mm-hmm. all admit we are works in progress and mm-hmm. we are trying to make it better each podcast. We get together every two mm-hmm. weeks. We only put it out like two times a month, mm-hmm. um, or three times a month if you're counting. But um so it started, and then it took a little hiatus with the pandemic. But then the three dads, uh, one was in Europe. We're all in the entertainment industry. That's mm-hmm. what I forgot to mention, too. Mm-hmm. One's a singer-songwriter. He's opened up for, like, Arcade Fire, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. The other one works for Disney. Um, mm-hmm. The other one owns a record company. So we have, like, this weird un- entertainment yeah, thing going on. Um, but that's really it. And we try to... Grow, and we even have like mental health check-ins, like because mm-hmm. we believe self-care is a big part of this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we check in with each other, and a topic will resurface three episodes later, and we're like, "How are you doing with that? Were you yeah. able to break that, or were you able to figure yeah. that out?" So if you follow the show, you're actually watching us grow as individuals and try and become mm-hmm. better fathers as well. Um, yeah, but- and you get to know your personalities a little bit, you know. 
Yeah, and it's fun. And I, I told you off offline, like my my dream. We're having our first live audience in our next mm-hmm. recording for Father's for a Father's Eve event. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's not like beer guzzling, axe throwing kind of talk. It's more yeah. like we're really trying to figure stuff out. Um, but I, I would love to get it to a larger platform, and then a you know a theater option, and get great mm-hmm. keynotes and you know, bring a, sh- put together an actual show around it. Yeah. So that, that's the long tail of it. But right now we always joke, like if nobody listens, we're okay. Because mm-hmm. at least we can sit for two hours once every two weeks and really have some fun and talk about life and kids and growth and current events and pop mm-hmm. culture, which we're all yeah. heavily involved in. It is, it's, it is fun. Um, and you tell dad jokes and yeah, it's very pop culture. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Yeah, we get a um, lot of great feedback if, from wives and moms, which is really enjoyable for us. Like, especially on Instagram. Yeah. Like I didn't think you guys would talk about this stuff or I felt like I was a part of the conversation or yeah. so that's, they're the sweetest comments that we get on that stuff mm-hmm. that people are actually like paying attention and maybe extracting a nugget here or there, even if it's from the smarter people and not necessarily mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. And I think Thank it you. definitely has its place too. It's uh, um, because, you know, I think that's the lovely thing about the podcast world is, you know, you, you can kind of, there's just all these niche shows that you can kind of find exactly what, you're looking for. Um, and even within a podcast, you know, scrolling the topics of the different episodes and see which ones appeal to you. So um, I yeah. really, really enjoy Even it. tricks like family dinners was an episode. Division mm-hmm. of chores was an episode. Mm-hmm. And in each one, we're like, these are what the really smart people are saying. This is the data. This is the research. How are you doing? So yeah. thanks for that, yeah. those nice words. It's very kind of you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I've really, really loved talking to you. I could talk to you for hours and and I know we have before, but this has been really great. And I think a lot of our moms and dads, I definitely have more moms who listen, but hopefully um, they'll pass this on to their husbands and they'll take a listen too. So thank you so much for joining me today. And just tell our audience, where can we find you on social media if we want to follow you more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, First, I have an 80s quiz question. Yes. This is a quote that we live our lives by. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. Who said it? Yeah. Dr. Swales. Who said it? Oh, Ferris Bueller. Boom. Kim Swales for the win. Um, that <laughs> Wait, can I show. tell you a little story about that, though? Um, of so, you know, that was probably one of my favorite movies growing up. It was definitely the movie of the time for us, right? And my middle son over Christmas, we were trying to watch a family movie and we've got this huge age gap, right? Between my oldest and my youngest is almost 10 years. And so sometimes it's hard to find an appropriate movie. And my middle son's like, oh, I want you guys to watch my favorite movie of all time. And it was Ferris Bueller, my middle son, who's 20. So how about that? It stands the test of time. Do you want to hear something funny before we close? I actually met Sloan in a coffee shop in North Beach in San Francisco. And I rarely, rarely get starstruck. Uh-huh. She was in front of me in line and I didn't have the courage to say hello. And you recognized her though? All yeah, because her husband, Brian Henson, was performing right oh. next door at an event we were producing. Okay. And so I'm like, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starstruck. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, I love that. Well, it was great catching up with you. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. And anybody can just find us. Just Google Dad Time Out Show. We're all over the place. And Instagram yeah, and is I'll where we love it. it. I'll have it in the show notes. And of course, we'll tag you all week when we uh, air this. All good. Well, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for your time and having me on your wonderful podcast. I'm so happy for you and can't wait to see what's in the future. Uh, Thanks, MK. Same for you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe 
and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area. This episode was edited and produced by Sonia Kerrigan.